Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Um, it's interesting that tonight, as we meet, uh, there's a tornado uh, watch. Uh, for, I know, Greenville, and I don't know if we're under one here or not. Um, but what will happen whenever, if that watch turns into a warning? What are we going to have? Sirens, right? The towels will blow the sirens and everything, and there's a connection here with our text tonight. Um, 871 in the Pew Bible, by the way. That connection is... there. This text tells us uh, to blow the trumpet in Zion. Uh, There's a a disaster coming upon um, the people, and they're to blow the trumpet in warning. And we can see the same kind of thing uh, in history, you know, whenever um, um, the Germans were bombing uh, London during World War II. You know, maybe if you've seen it in the movies or something like that, and the sirens would blaze, the, 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 the warning sirens would blaze because... They were under attack. Um, that's the connection that we see in this text tonight. Um, there's a, we, we've already seen that there's a, uh, there was a plague of locusts. And what Joel has been wanting um, the people to get out of the fact that this plague of locusts has come is to be aware, to wake up and realize that God's judgment is coming. And, and here in this chapter, Joel turns from talking about the plague of locusts to the fact that there is an army that's going to be coming and wiping out um, the, the people there. And he calls on the people to repent, to turn to the Lord, and maybe the Lord will relent from the disaster that He was bringing upon the people. Let's go ahead and read our text. I'm going to read uh, chapter 2, verses 1-14. through 14. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. They're like they're... Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them, through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap out on the tops of mountains, like the crackling of the flame of fire, devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale, like soldiers. They scale up the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do, they do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. 
They, are, they burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. The stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters His voice before His army, for His camp is exceedingly great. Who executes, he who executes His word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to Me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. As we approach a book like Joel, many of the prophets, they're difficult to understand. But we pray that You would illuminate our eyes, that we might see and we might hear what You have for us tonight. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would become more aware of Your judgment that is coming. And Lord, that it would call us towards repentance to return to the Lord, to seek Your face. Father, give me grace and strength as I preach Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Blow a trumpet in Zion. The trumpet there, you can imagine, is the, the shofar. Uh, the, 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 it's, the, it's this uh, horn of an animal that they would blow and it would ring out around the land and it would tell everyone... There's danger coming. Take cover. Like we might have tonight. <laughs> if those sirens begin to blow, we're going to go, go get in our basements, right? We're going to get in our basements. Or if we don't have a basement, we're going to get in the hallway, get away from windows, all those kinds of things. Well, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. And Zion... Uh, Zion would be representative of Jerusalem and sometimes all of God's land, uh, it, particularly maybe the, the, um, uh, the temple and the location of where the temple is. Uh, and, and all of, uh, uh, he says, uh, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Both of those two things are, are, are synonyms for each other. So he's saying, uh, in, in the place, in the holy place where, where God dwells, Blow an alarm. All is not well in the very place where God is supposed to be present. He says, Let the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. The day of the Lord was referenced in the last passage we looked at last week. Um, verse 15 of chapter 1 said, Alas, for the day, the, for the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. 
The day of the Lord is written about in many of the different prophets, but it was expected that the day of the Lord would be the day when the Lord shows up and He delivers His people from His enemy, from their enemies. That was the expectation. And yet, here the day of the Lord is, is coming not as something as deliverance, but it's coming as judgment upon His own people. He says, the day of the Lord is coming, it's near. And, and the response that the people should have is that they tremble. God is showing up. Who can stand at His wrath? Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. You can imagine the soldiers that are coming uh, towards Jerusalem. The soldiers that are coming, and, and, and it's just, it's like blackness. They, they, the, 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 ground, the mountain is just covered with people. It's so, so thick. Um, like blackness, they're spread upon the mountains. Uh, a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor ever will be after them through all the year, through the years of all generations. He's saying, just like the locusts, just like it had said in uh, chapter one, tell it. Uh, uh, has such a thing ever happened in your days or in the days of your father? Tell it to your children. He's talking then about the locusts, but now he's talking about this army that's coming, and it's going to be something that they've never seen before. It's going to be total and complete obliteration that He's warning is coming. Verse 3, Fire devours before them, and behind them burns a flame. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness and nothing escaped them. The idea is that this army is moving on towards them and what is before them, what the army hasn't gotten to yet, it's a beautiful land uh, that it has everything that it needs. And as the army comes, each step, each mile that they come forward, they devastate everything, leaving nothing in their path. Similar to what the locusts have have done before. Verse 4, their appearance is the appearance of horses, and like war horses, they run. As with rumbling of chariots, they leap on the top of the mountains. So the, the picture there is they're so noisy, this army that's marching upon them, it sounds like the sounds of, of hoofbeats coming. Um, today, we don't have our armies traveling on a horseback most of the time. So you might, might uh, picture the sound of bombers coming in. These, the sound of, I don't know, Mike, uh, do they still use the, the loud engines of bombers uh, in, in the Air Force? Well, uh, most time you wouldn't even know they're there. You're most... just going to hear the whistle of a bomb and it's already too late. unless you could <laughs> okay. spread 5,000 5, feet seconds, it might be okay. Okay, so, so today it might, might be irrelevant because uh, uh, today we, we've got these stealth bombers and things like that, but maybe think of uh, back in the World War II days and you've got the, 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 the planes coming in and you can hear the sounds of them and you're afraid. They leap on the mountains like the crackling of flame of fire devouring the stubble. So as this army comes, it's, you can hear the, the sound. It's like the crackling of a fire coming. 
like a powerful army drawn up for battle. So uh, right now I'm describing the destruction that's coming. That's what we're seeing. We're we're, we're looking at all these images here. Verse 6, Before them, people are in anguish. All their faces grow pale. So we see this army that's coming for them. We see them. The face just drains and it's all white. You see, they're so fearful of this army that's coming upon them. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They, They march each on his way. Nothing can deter this army that's coming to destroy them. They don't swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons. Maybe you can imagine in the older days whenever two armies would line up face to face and, uh, and they would charge maybe at each other. And, and, one, and these particular soldiers, they go right on through. They just bowl through the, the weapons of the other and, and it's like they were not even there. Verse 9, they leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. Here, this army that's coming, that Joel is predicting that's coming, is now being compared, I think, to the locusts that we've already seen. Again, the idea is they leap upon the city like the locusts are leaping upon it. They run upon the walls, and you can imagine the locusts all over the place, climbing all over the walls. Um, They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows. You you, you try to put screens up or something like that to to keep all the bugs out, and they they just keep on coming in. Well, that's what this army is being described as. They come upon, and they'll climb right on through. There's nothing you can do to keep them out. The earth quakes before them. There's total devastation coming. The heavens tremble. This is something that's cosmic. It's affecting creation itself. The earth and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. Here we we get this kind of a language like the end of days. That the end times are upon us. It is so bad. They say, it, it describes the, 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 uh, the sun and the moon are darkened. The Lord utters His voice before His army. Now God's people is who who Joel is writing to, and yet here Joel is saying, this army that's coming coming on, God is the one in control of that army. They're doing what God has told them to do. They may be the Assyrians, and we don't know exactly which army this is. They may be this pagan nation that God is using to come in and, and judge His people, and yet he sa- it says the Lord utters His voice before His army. God is in control of all things, and many times we see throughout the Old Testament how God uses even the pagan nations to judge His people, and here's an example of that. God is in control. He brings this army upon His own people. For His camp is exceedingly great. He who executes His word is powerful. This army, maybe the Assyrians that's coming, they're the ones who, Joel is saying, are the ones who execute God's word. They're powerful. Finally, in verse 11, it says, For the day of the Lord is great, and very awesome 
Who can endure it? This is the picture of judgment that Joel is giving for the people. The warning of the judgment was they've already seen the devastation of the locusts and now Joel is warning there is, there is an army that's going to come upon you. There's an army that's going to come upon you. It's going to be worse than locusts. It's, you know, the, 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 everything is going to be destroyed and you're going to be so totally devastated and God is the one who's bringing this on you to judge you. And then he breaks, changes his tune in verse 12. Verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. If the people want to avoid the judgment that God is bringing on them, they need to turn to Him. To turn to Him even now, it says. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to Me with all your heart. Don't hold anything back. Don't hold on to the sin that easily entangles us. Instead, let it all go and return to the Lord, He says. He says, with fasting and weeping and mourning, that's what he was calling on the priests to do in the last chapter. Remember, he says, put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the Lord. Go in and pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of the Lord. We saw that last week. Here he's using the same language. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Let go of your sin and turn to the Lord. And rend your heart and not your garments. God is not concerned about the outward appearances here. He is concerned about the inward manifest, inward um, disposition of our hearts. The outward, uh, the outward expression of mourning would be to tear your clothes. We've seen this. Uh, we haven't seen this, but you see this maybe in uh, uh, in the story of of David. Um, um, I can't even think of it right now, but I know I've, I've read about it in other, other stories in the Old Testament where someone is, is, is mourning and, and uh, what they do is they tear their clothes. But here, Joel says, it's not the outward manifestation. It's the inward um, disposition of your heart. Rend your heart. Tear it. Return to the Lord. Mourn inwardly. He says, return to the Lord your God for... Why is it that he's calling on the people to return to the Lord? For he is gracious and merciful, for he is uh, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Joel knows this about God's character. The Lord is... Gracious and kind and merciful, and he's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. We, we, we don't see this in the beginning of the book, do we? We see judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. But at the same time, Joel remembers that is not the essence of who God's character is. God's character is gracious and merciful. We can turn back to Exodus. I hope I get the right passage here. Exodus 34. When we see 
Moses had uh, asked to see God. He, he said, show me your glory. And Moses, he couldn't see God directly because to see Him, he would die. He would, he would uh, be struck dead by, by actually seeing God. And, and so God passes by and Moses is able to see his backside. And he says, Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will no by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third generation and the fourth third and the fourth generation. So we see this picture in Moses' time. We see it repeated throughout the Old Testament. The essence of who God's character is, is He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. This is what Joel is pointing out. So he knows God is sending judgment but we know God is gracious. We know God, um, He is kind and He has a covenant that He is loyal to with His people. So Joel, on the basis of God's character, says, repent. Repent. Verse 14. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, a grain offering, and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Joel also knows we can't twist God's arm. We can't manipulate God into doing what we want. God is in control. And God will have justice or He will have mercy on whomever He pleases. And Joel here is saying, we don't know. Maybe, maybe if we... If we Call out to God. If we return to Him, then He'll be gracious. He says, who knows whether God will not turn and relent. Notice here, He's calling the people to turn because if the people turn, then maybe God will turn. (laughs) That God would turn and relent and instead of giving judgment, leave behind a blessing. God's response to the people repenting would be a blessing instead. And then he says, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Remember, in chapter 1, one of the things that was devastating, that was the reason why the priests were to, to wail and to cry is because the locusts had cut off all the food. And so there was nothing left for the sacrifices. And here, Joel is saying, if we turn from our sins, if we repent, if we, if we turn to the Lord, God may be gracious to us and restore so that we can have fellowship with Him again. 
through the sacrifices. Now that, that's the picture we see here in Joel. We live in a New Testament era, and so we, we've got to look at this through the lens of the cross. We've got to look at this through the lens of New Testament believers. At the time that Joel was writing, he was writing to people who were still under the Mosaic Law, who were still um, um, the Jewish people. And, and God had a covenant with them, and if they broke them, there were, ble- there were blessings for obedience, and there was curses for disobedience, and the, the locusts that were being brought on were, were the curses because they had been disobedient. And Joel is here saying to the people, if you repent, if you turn to the Lord, return to Him, then maybe He'll be gracious. We as believers in the New Testament know we, there is a bigger deal than just an army coming upon us. Jesus warns that the day of the Lord will come. Um, Paul wrote about it in 1 Thessalonians, which Johnny read from. The day of the Lord will come as a thief. And we need to be ready. Um, first Peter, or 2 Peter also says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord is talked about in the New Testament as well. But the day of the Lord that we are now looking forward to is not an army that's going to come. It's when Jesus returns. One of these days, He is going to come. One of these days, we will all stand before God and we will all answer for everything that we've ever done. Every careless word. One of these days, we will stand before Him and there is a judgment, a payday someday. Maybe you've heard of that phrase. And there is one way to be rescued from that. Joel said, return to the Lord. Now, we no longer come to the Lord through sacrifices. The sacrifice has already been given. And it's Jesus. The sacrifice was made 2,000 years ago on the cross when Jesus took our sin upon Himself. And so, now... We stand before men, before people, and we declare God's judgment is coming. And He will come and He will judge sinners. It's true. And we announce that the way to be rescued from this wrath is to turn to the Lord, to turn to Jesus. And He will forgive us. His character is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And because that is part of His character, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. So that all that it says later in the passage we'll look at in a couple of weeks, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In the Old Testament, this was a Jewish thing. And whenever he says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, he's not talking just to Jews. He's talking to everybody. If you call upon the name of the Lord, 
You can be rescued from His wrath. Call upon the name of the Lord and say, count the blood of Jesus to me. I trust that He died in my place. I trust that His payment took my place. And turn. We repent. We turn away from our sin. We turn away from our old way of living. And now we turn towards Jesus. That is how we can be made right with God. We turn away from our sin and we also turn away from our own self-righteousness. Our, desire, our, our, our attempts to try to make ourselves clean on our own efforts and our own strength, none of those are good enough. We can't be a good enough person on our own. So whether we're the sinner that Jesus talked about that just beat his breast and cried out and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Or whether we are like the Pharisee who says, I thank God I'm not like them. The need for each of us is to repent, to turn from that way, and to turn to Jesus alone. In summary, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. When does a thief come? When you're not expecting it. If you were expecting it, they wouldn't come, right? You may have an alarm system, a video recording, or something like that. That means you're expecting it. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. His judgment will come. Our deaths will come. And we don't know when it's going to be. And we're given this warning. We know that it's coming. So we are to turn to the Lord. Turn to Jesus. Return to Him and be saved. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.